Brandon grew a beard and forgot how to act, honey. Brandon grew a full beard and forgot. I, will admit, I would like the people of the podcast to know. The beard is up. It changed my outlook. It's been pain. Pandemic. Oh my goodness, this has been an amazing thing. I have to center myself and try to get back to the real me because, whew, I turned a future all of a sudden. It's not a good Stay humble, decision. Brandon. Stay humble. <laughs> Just a little bit of gas, and he's off to the races. <laughs> Hey there, what to do, everybody? Another episode of Young, Black, and Political. Uh, Chris got something to say about what to do. I already know, but people still say what to do. It is it is a a common expression. If it's not... Brandon, I feel like this is your version of trying to make fetch happen. Like, it's not going to happen. Let it go. You know, I think that at some point, if, if it's not already a thing, people are going to hear this and be like, yo, it kind of sounds natural. It makes sense. It's a thing. So, yeah. What do it do at the polls, B. Pope? What does it do at the polls? That's a great, hey, what did it do at the polls? That is the question. And that is the, the theme for uh, today's episode, trying to get you ready for uh, a pivotal election, not just presidential, but in your local races as well, down the ballot. We're just a few days away. And this thing has really, uh, it's zoomed by. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm stunned at how quick. It's pace, at least on my end. Y- y'all feel like it was quick? No. No? No. <laughs> uh, from, from day one on uh, Senator Harris's campaign to today, working <laughs> for Democrats in Congress, I felt every single minute of all 24 hours. Um, and so I thank God for the last 16 days uh, or so of this campaign. Yeah. I remember when we were all in our text group talking about Iowa caucuses and how the Iowa caucus was around the corner and that seems like decades ago and so mm-hmm. now to be at 16 days from now I'm like a we've been friends for way too long B, sweet Jesus help them to be a quick 16 days because here's the thing a lot of people are saying if you watch the when we all vote video with the west wing which was by far the best thing to happen to my week they said because so many people are filling out absentee ballots and they're casted last we could all be sitting at home on november 3rd in silence yeah. you know yeah. we might not have a uh can you know especially down ballot we might not have a presumptive nominee by you know midnight on election night and we should talk scary. about that today before we get to, you know, after we talk about getting out the vote and important voting, well, we should talk, talk about what election night looks like. Well, let's talk about it now, what election sure. night's going to look like. I think Anxiety? That, yeah, it's going to be stressful. I'm, <laughs> I'm stressed out just thinking about it. And from the media perspective, you know, we're used to having results called usually by 6 or 7 p.m. on election night. Or sometimes you even, depending on how the race is going, you have a better indication even earlier. Um, this time around, who knows? We might be all going to bed and being like, uh, I don't know who won this. Uh, Trump is going to claim well, look, victory regardless. It's an unprecedented election. Um, we've never had an election like, like a lot of things in 2020. We've never had an election quite like this one. Um, and it's going to require from the media, from from folks sitting at home, some patience. Look, count every vote. 
that's that's what the mantra has to be going into November 3rd. Count every single vote um, because folks are showing up, uh, we know, very early already to vote. And so we have to count every vote, count every ballot, uh, tabulate those votes, and then um, be focused more on on, on uh, the accuracy of what people, the American people have decided um, than on speculation or punditry. There's going to be some early indications, I think, uh, in terms of who's turned out where that'll give us some idea um, of how the night is going, but it is about counting every single vote. Um, and so election night's going to look different for us. It's going to be election days or election week. Um, but as long as we count every vote, and we let the process happen. That I mean, to me, that's that's the winning, the winning thing. It's going to look different. And uh, and Jordan is right. Look, I think a lot of us are going to have, myself included, some anxiety about uh, about the results because a lot of folks, um, there's a lot on the line. There's a lot on the line in the next couple of days. On top of that, yeah, I know how um, there have been some states that have called for uh, uh, mandates that won't allow people to show up with. Um, guns or with weapons the day of on election day and i hope it doesn't happen but i feel like there have already been a thing yeah but what? you know you know how what? common sense isn't common but uh you know I, I believe i don't want this to happen but i believe there will be unfortunately i think some contention that we probably could look for um that we may see i don't i don't want it to happen but maybe some riots or some people that aren't sure of the process and with uh, Donald Trump causing a lot of um, doubt with the process and uh, with a lot of his rhetoric, I think that, um, you know, could be something that we also see in the midst of waiting for the, the vote. So. Yeah, Jordan, I agree with you completely that, you know, maybe your candidate election night looks like they're ahead by 1% or 2%, but it's too close to call. And maybe in the next couple of hours or the couple days after election night, your candidate starts to slip from that 1% and then is now maybe 4% behind or 5%. That is not fraud. We have to be, as Chris said, patient in knowing that we are going to count every single vote. And especially with the number of absentee ballots that have been cast this year, that might take a couple of days after election night. So if you saw your candidate maybe tied on election night or maybe one or two points ahead, and then that margin decides to widen one way or the other, it is because we are doing our civic duty, our board of elections by state is doing what they are supposed to do and counting all the votes, including absentee ballots, which usually get counted last. So don't let all of this rhetoric about there's going to be pervasive fraud um, get into your psyche. We are doing what's legal and making sure that everyone's voice is heard. You know, Stephanie, that's an excellent point. And here we sit uh, recording this on the night of uh, October 18th, uh, and 20 million Americans have already cast their votes. 20 million people. Um, and it's different in every state in terms of which votes get counted when and how they get tabulated and how they're processed and all of that. But what we know is that on uh, November 3rd, we're, we're going to start counting votes. And there's already 20 million account, two weeks and some change out. Um, and that number is expected, of course, to grow. Um, and, we, and I hope grow exponentially. Um, and so... And so that's what we have to be mindful of. It's not going to be, we might, we might not have an immediate answer in some of these Senate races and congressional races and presidential races, you no know, presidential race rather. Uh, but every vote get counted. 
um, fair, safe process in person, fair, safe process by mail, then we did the right thing. Anything short of that, um, we have to have a different discussion. It's going to take a lot of patience. Um, we all definitely have some anxiety about, you know, I guess one thing that brings anxiety, there's so many factors with this election, right? Because you do have the mail-in questions around so many mail-in ballots and how long it's going to take to count that. You have unprecedented levels of suppression efforts coming out of um, some states and from some operatives. I was just talking with some journalists. Coming from, frankly, uh, Brandon, coming from the Republican Party. I mean, well, yeah. Let's, let's well, talk exactly. about who's pushing those suppression efforts. Exactly. It's, it's, it's 100% the Republican Party and operatives within the Republican Party and people who have pledged loyalty to a certain candidate, 100%. And, you know, you look at these battlegrounds in particular, Wisconsin, where you're seeing a lot of it. You're seeing a lot of it even in California, which isn't a battleground, but people still want some dents made. You're, you're seeing a well, lot go down. Well, you look at some of these, California's a battleground in some congressional races, right? Yeah, for at, sure. That's a good look at some, so there's some, you know, the, the suppression effort is strategic, which, which, which explains why um, it's not about uh, this, is, you know, they use this fictional language election integrity to, to suggest that there's some kind of widespread voter fraud. We know there's not every, we've had people that came on, on this podcast that, you know, explain that that was not a thing. Right. Um, and so when you look at some of the places like California where this fraud has happened, you have to wonder why it's happened. Uh, and that is a, a, what they see as a pathway to victory. Uh, and so it's not about election integrity. And so I just, I just bring that up to say, uh, Brandon, that, you know, let's not pretend like there's not a particular party and group of folks who are pushing um, these these folks suppression tactics and efforts and confusion and misinformation and confuse you know to rile people up. One hundred percent. But then have real responsibility in the media to to call it out, but also to call for calm. Yeah. And people understand that their experience more than likely is going to be like years past, safe, secure, whether it's new for them by mail or in person early. They're going to have a normal process. Well, it's, it's, I, it's I think. All of us have, you know, tossed around the term, and I know we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I you always want to bring up, we always say voter suppression. And mm-hmm. I think we, you know, need to take some time of exp- uh, explaining what that looks like. Is it someone standing at the polls just saying, you know, y'all not welcome here? Or is it more covert than that? What does voter suppression look like in these communities? And I can say that, you know, in North Carolina, and just this week, it happened to someone on my Facebook page. His name has an apostrophe in it. When they looked for him on the voter roll, they said, sorry, we can't find you. And he said, I vote every election, the municipals, off, off years. I know I'm there. And they said, nope, you're not here. We cannot find you. And it turned into some kind of back and forth. So what did he do? He casted a provisional ballot which we could talk about later, but I want people to know that they might try to tell you that you've been purged from the voter rolls, that your name, you know, cannot be found. They might try to tell you that you were at the wrong precinct and that, you know, this is not where you're supposed to vote. This is not your, you know, designated voting location. They might say that the identification for states that need identification is not valid to be used to vote in this election. So, 
I would encourage everyone to go to vote.org um, or I will, uh, and look at what it is you need. Is your registration still valid? Make sure that you are still an active voter. There is still time. I would also encourage you to early vote because if someone says that they cannot find your name or that you didn't bring the proper ID, there is time to fix that. On November 3rd, there is no time to fix that. It is too late. So please, if your state has early voting, it is open. Please, I beg you, go during early voting because they cannot win when they don't have a chance to suppress you. If you go early enough and there's still a chance to remedy what may be wrong, they cannot take your vote away then. So please, please, please go during early voting. Great point there. That's what early voting helps you kind of get all that stuff kind of taken care of. Um, it's better to get it out of the way now. Um, and we're seeing record numbers when it comes to that early voting, too. I mean, being here in Chicago, I got to tell you, it was encouraging seeing on the first day of early voting in Chicago, lines wrapped around several blocks. Like, it, it, was, it, it was frustrating for me because I wanted to go vote that day. <laughs> and I'm like, well, damn. <laughs> this ain't happening. Uh, I'll have to come back another day. But like to see the energy and the excitement uh, and people exercising their right, people brought uh, with them, you know, mail, they're showing their address and things like that. Anything you might possibly need in case there is some sort of mistake. Um, and things do happen, you know, so it's important just to be ready. Um, me, myself, they actually sent me something recently here in Illinois saying that my address, they wanted to confirm that it was a real address in Chicago. And I'm like, well, why? I'm glad they're sending us now. And I don't show up on election day. And just like that, I can't vote, right? It's just, it's good to get it done early. But yeah, we're seeing efforts like that when it comes to those ID laws. We're even seeing the, the biggest one I'm seeing is these governors and uh, elected officials, Republicans, uh, restricting how many voting locations there are, um, only having one per precinct. So then you have these super long lines and this, this, this crazy amount to where people get fatigued. You don't want to stand in line for two or three hours to vote. Nobody wants to stand in line for two or three hours to do anything, especially when it's hot out. You don't want to do any of that. So, um, you know, these efforts are deep. They've been going on for years. Uh, but the best way to combat it is just to get it done early and, and get, get things taken care of early. There's actually data that came out that showed black voters, voters of color, are two, three times more likely to have to stand in line for more than an hour to vote than white voters are. There's a reason for that. That is intentional. That is, that is targeted. That's a disparity that doesn't just like happen by accident, right? There's a point to it. In North Carolina, the Supreme Court of the United States said it was surgical-like precision in mm. which they targeted um, communities of color to close down precincts, to shorten the hours, to make it harder for communities of color to vote. So this is not happenstance. Yeah. You, and I, and I want to be as clear as Chris was, the Republican Party is making a concerted effort to make it harder for Black and Brown people to vote. And if you would like for that to stop, you need to look for your house, your state house of representatives, 
and make because they are the ones who draw the maps for gerrymandering. You need to make sure that you are voting for people who think and will represent your ideals. President, governor, senator, all of that is very important. But if you want to make it easier and more equitable for people in your community to vote, you need to be looking at your uh, state's general assembly members because they are the ones who draw those maps. They are the ones who, you know, redistrict and gerrymander and make it harder for communities of color to be represented. It's so important to raise that, Stephanie, because in, in, in every single level of government, matters right you're on the city level you're the county level on the state level absolutely on the federal level your vote matters no one will ever try to take something away from you that doesn't matter and what we see right now what we've seen for generations and it's why i i just tweeted about it the other day i called my grandmother and she said that she started naming the relatives in the family that already voted and and so she's she's whipping votes for Joe Biden, and that is that is, and that I think speaks to the moment. As someone who was raised in Jim Crow South, right, that speaks to the moment, but it also speaks to the fact that our vote is that important, and somebody's trying to take it away from us. And we have to show up, and we have to vote up and down the ballot at every level of government, and choose the people that we believe are are represent our convictions, represent our conscience. And if we do that, we win this election. Apologize for that. Um, um, but it's not just uh, the, Jordan the pet bird, by the way. What is this it? Is important. This will be part of the podcast. Jordan the pet bird. Yes, it's a beautiful <laughs> bird too. That's a bird. It is. Yes. Yeah, what uh, kind of bird do you have? Wait, why did we not know this? Wow. I feel like we're better than this. This is new. I don't know if you all can see her. Oh, it's a parakeet. Wow. Yeah, drink green tea, Kanye. A whole parakeet. Does it talk? No, uh, these, uh, her kind doesn't really talk, but there are some that, that do. What's her name? Just describe her for the people that are listening and can't see. <laughs> oh, this uh, is going to make the edit of this. Oh, yes, it is. No, this is going on the podcast. Go. This is so good. Yeah. yeah. This with, the, with the bird trimmer. She's a, a green cheek conure. Uh, she's an open mint color. Open mint is spelled O P A M I N T. It's a very distinct difference. Brand new the, colors and everything. Yeah, yeah, very, very distinct difference. I got her back in uh, uh, 2019. Why did you choose a bird? It was a gift from my mom, really. Uh, not to get too much into detail, but, you know, she had always wanted a bird but didn't want to take care of one. So I was like, you know, I'll get one. Um, <laughs> kicking myself now for that because... I, I got her because I was thinking that she would be quiet. And now that she's older, she's gotten more bold. And has... <laughs> wow. What, uh, what, what's, her... what's her name? Yeah, what's Echo. her name? Echo. Um... Echo. Mm-hmm. So Echo is officially a part of the podcast. I mean, we can... <laughs> My apologies. But, but what I was trying I to say is, <laughs> other than um, the people that you are electing on the ballot, another important thing that, not all states have to deal with, um, but there are important propositions and measures that a lot of people, uh, I think there's like 26 states, I think, that have measures that um, the constituency votes on. So um, it may not, you know, in California here, we have uh, propositions and, you know, we get a whole bunch of commercials about people wanting us to vote yes or no for Prop 21 or for, you know, Prop 
14, whatever it is, but like those are the decisions um, that also matter um, you know, in your voting uh, state that you should also look forward to and look and try to research before you um, go to the polls as well. Um, and those are, Jordan, I'm so glad you bring up that point because measures and propositions, we should break them down for folks who are listening and might not know. These are essentially questions that are put on the ballot for voters to decide. In California, um, there's Measure J, which is a criminal justice uh, a proposition, a measure rather, that is about um, redirecting funding um, in budgets to make sure that we are addressing um, public safety in a more equitable way, in a more uh, inclusive way, in a way that does not uh, impact one community more than the other. Uh, and it's, it's about removing cash bail. Um, uh, and so there's some real equity uh, opportunities in that measure. And so it's a yes or no vote. And sometimes, you know, you'll see a measure or a proposition where, and I'm not speaking specifically of Measure J, but sometimes you'll see a, a, a yes or no option on a measure or a proposition. Um, and you recognize that there's a problem that needs to be solved, but maybe you don't like what the measure or the, what the proposition says. So you might vote no, not because you don't recognize the problem, but because you don't like the solution. Um, so, and so if you have those in your state, you want to be thoughtful of those, you want to think through those, that's an opportunity for the people to decide what government's going to do on a direct issue. And it's a really powerful thing to have on the ballot. Um, and you should make sure that you're informed on that. Um, and if you have questions, of course, you know, hit me up, hit up other people who, who are knowledgeable, but, but make sure you participate in those because those are really, really important. And it's the most direct action you can take on an issue. Huge. I know here in Illinois, we have a, a fair tax measure that is looking at uh, should billionaires and millionaires be taxed the same as everybody else? Um, that's a key question. It's yes or no, you know, uh, and th those things have impact. Another thing that has impact that I think I know here in Chicago, a lot of people don't often think about is judges. Uh, we have 62 judges here in Cook County up for retention. That means you literally just up or down, give them a thumbs up or thumbs down. And it's rare that a judge ever loses retention because people aren't knowledgeable enough about these judges to make a decision as to whether to vote them down. Um, and so it's crucial that you're getting a sample ballot, requesting a sample ballot, looking through. You have time right now if you're going to early vote. You can look through and make an informed decision um, and look up the names and the records of these different people. And there's different nonpartisan resources too, like in Justice Watch, that can give you a breakdown of these judges, their records, um, you know, how harsh they are in sentencing and things like that. Because when we talk about criminal justice reform, uh, it, it's really at the local level is where things really, really matter with that. And so you've got to look at your judges, your state's attorneys, your attorney generals, um, that's key. So how do you do that, Brandon? You Google your county and voter guide, election guide, any of those phrases with your county, you'll be able to pull up the ballot, your sample ballot for your neighborhood, your area, and you can look at that in advance. So we'll put some more of that stuff, I think, on our Instagram. But if you want to find your sample ballot so you know what it looks like before you get in there if you go in person or if you want to study before you get it in the mail your county election guide voter guide 
you'll be able to find all of what's on there and then you can go do your research on that. That's really important. Yeah. Someone literally today, and I'm not, you know, calling anyone out, called me today and said, hey, uh, there are three she people. She's about to call somebody out, just so you Yeah, know. That's, it's fine. <laughs> that's exactly it's fine. what that is. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> No tea, no shade, but someone called me today and was like, hey, there are three people in front of me in line. I need my voter guide. And I said, and what, are you, what are you talking about? In line where? They were like, no, I'm in line to vote and there are three people in front of me now and I just, I need a voter guide. I said, now, A, how long have you been standing in line? B, how long have you been friends and have I been screaming about this? C, three people? Like, I'm booked and busy. I can't send this to you right now. So avoid being like my friends, you all. I know the world is opening back up, and there's a little less time and opportunity to sit at home all day, even though y'all should be home because the corona is spiking up. But um, I, it, would be, it would behoove you to, as Brandon said, as Chris has said, Google. It's free and it ain't broke. Your county's slate card. Yeah. Either a slate card, voter guide, sample ballot, any of those keywords are all synonymous. So if you see something that says a slate card or a voter guide, sample ballot, all synonymous. Um, and please make sure you bring it with you. My mother was like, I memorize it. God bless her heart. Marlene, I'm talking about you. She called me and said that <laughs> I'm memorizing the sample ballot so I'm ready when I go in there. And I was like, you're doing what? She said, I'm memorizing it. I said, you can take it with you. And she was like, I can? And I was like, yeah, what? You're going to memorize a six, uh, what is it, Florida's ballot, a four-page ballot? I said, ma'am, put it in your purse, take one for my father, and bring it in this polling place with you. She had no idea. So yes, if you have a sample ballot, if you print it out at home, if there's a nice poll working woman, because it's usually women or man at the polls who hands you a sample guide for your designated party, you can take that into the actual polling booth with you. Mm -hmm. okay. Very important. Something else to bring up here. Uh, don't get caught up, all right? You ain't supposed to be taking selfies uh, with your ballot, so <laughs> don't do it. It's illegal. Don't do that. Yeah. It's illegal. Throws out your entire vote, and just don't. Now I'm not clear what, exactly which states. I know that uh, most states, though, they do have a rule like that. Like, don't be doing it. I get everybody wants to do it for the gram, right? Take a picture after you voted, right? Do that. Do the I voted sticker or the, the wristband like we get here in Chicago. That's what those are for. That's for the gram. But now you have that money to blow. Look, <laughs> you know, we just spend money on. I'm so glad they hand out wristbands. Look, they're nice. I've they're appreciated the. I've appreciated the go vote and I voted thirst traps on Instagram. I, I would encourage you all to do those with your sticker or your wristband, as Brandon has um, so kindly suggested in Chicago. And and that's the that's perfect. Yeah, don't do it in the ballot box. Um, it's unwanted attention, um, and in some states it is illegal. Um, but, but look, but if you want to encourage trap, your friends. Yeah, thirst trap after, you know, and there's great ways you can do that. You can do what Michael B. Jordan did, you know, it had nothing to do with voting, but, you know, it, I'm, I'm hoping it, it works. Is that, what we're, is that what this podcast is now about? What, had a thirst trap? <laughs> I think this is when we start tea time with uh, Brandon. 
I, I think this is a that. segue. Because <laughs> I, I, people know yeah, me. Right I do a thirst trap every now and then. I do a little thirst trap here. Brandon grew a beard and forgot how to act, honey. Brandon grew a full beard and forgot. I, will I would like the people of the podcast to know. The beard has changed my outlook. It's been pain. Pandemic, oh my goodness, it's been an amazing thing. I have to center myself and try to get back to the real me because I turned a future all of a sudden. It's not a Stay good humble, Brandon. Stay humble. <laughs> Just a little bit of gas and he's off to the races. <laughs> That's all it takes. Uh, T Report. So, our, our newest segment, well, not new, it's always been, but I think now it's an official segment, which is yeah. Tea Time with Brandon. Tea Time. With Brandon Pope. Oh, we have a theme song now. Yeah, you know, I, we're working on it. It's it's in the early stages. So, T-Report, this is pretty interesting and I think timely for a lot of people. Uh, first of all, rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman. Uh, the family having to do with, deal with the aftermath of his death. And we're learning that Chadwick Boseman did not have a will when he died. This is creating a bit of a headache, as it usually would in situations like this. So now his wife has had to uh, file probate petition in absence of a will um, in order to get access to any money uh, from his any estate he would have, would have had. Supposedly, he only had about a million dollars left. But aside from that, I think the bigger issue here. The lack of a will, I, I, I wonder if, it's something people don't like to think about death, right? And think about them dying. Uh, and so it's something people often push off because we just think we're gonna live forever and you keep kicking it down the can. Oh, I'm not old, I'll be fine. It's never too soon to start getting some stuff in order and setting things up because you never know what's gonna happen. You never know what's gonna happen. I just thought that was really interesting um, what's going on with Chadwick Boseman's widow. She's already dealing with this loss and now she's going to deal with this headache as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, not good. And I think uh, as part of the young black and political to, to the black part of our podcast name, I think it's something in our community that we don't like to talk about. You know, we talk about going on to the by and by and still on this side of glory and, you know, a, a a jovial type sense, but I think that the African-American community, and part of that is systemic racism and mm-hmm. 200 mm-hmm. years of slavery, um, mm-hmm. are behind the curb on knowing the importance of having your affairs in order and having a will, having beneficiaries, having life insurance. Um, and while you know, we're all like, wow, Chadwick didn't have a will and he has all these, you know, assets and, it, you know, the n- amount of assets he has because royalties and things like that, I'm sure all tied into it from his movies. Even if Mima only has a house to her name and her pension, she needs a will. Mm-hmm. No matter who you are, if you're like, I don't have much. If I died today, all I have is a car or a house or whatever. You should have a will because the last thing you want is for your family to be grieving and then fighting over who gets what and where. Exactly. And you also don't want a situation like uh, the Prince estate had to deal with. Prince didn't have a will. And all of a sudden you had all these people coming out the woodwork saying they were related to Prince, Mm -hmm. um, claiming they had family ties. 
um, and therefore they wanted some uh, a part of that money um, because of that. A will helps alleviate all of that. And it's also important too that that will be updated regularly um, and also clear. Because one of the issues that the Aretha Franklin estate ran into, she had three wills, um, I believe, three wills, um, but some of them were outdated. And one of the wills, the, the, the latest will that they were trying to use, the handwriting on it was illegible. They couldn't quite make out what was being said or what needed to be executed. Um, same thing happened with, a uh, similar thing happened with uh, Stan Lee when he passed away. So it's, it's important to have a will, but also to keep it updated and make sure it's clear um, for all involved. Um, and, you know, celebrities not having a will that makes them like most Americans, honestly. Only a third of people in 2020 that were polled um, said that they had a will ready to go. Only one third. That needs to be a higher number for sure. Yeah, uh, particularly in a community, Brandon, that suffers from uh, because of systemic racism, suffers from being able to pass wealth from generation to generation. Right. You know, we have to protect the assets um, and the wealth that we do have um, and be able to pass that down with as little cost as possible. And frankly, to Stephanie's point, as little heartache as possible. Um, and so it's really important that we start to have those conversations. We don't like to talk about money in our community. Um, and there are a bunch of reasons why, um, but it's something that we have to face and that we have to talk about. And in a year like this one, um, we should definitely be thinking about uh, how we do that. 100%. 100%. Segue here a little bit. The next part of the T report, SNL. Uh, it's not been getting good reviews. People are pretty unhappy with SNL, uh, the new season, and uh, namely, a lot of people are having beef with Jim Carrey playing Joe Biden. They don't think it's an accurate portrayal. They think it's a little bit off, off, uh, off-putting. I have to say, I kind of agree. I don't think Jim Carrey's brand of comedy, the zany wackiness at all, fits Joe Biden. And we've seen other people play Joe Biden, like Jason Sudeikis. Um, and the guy they had on before Jim Carrey, I forgot who that was. Uh, he's in a lot of movies. Anyway, they both did a great Joe Biden. Wasn't too over the top. Jim Carrey, though, he don't know how to not be over the top. That's what Jim Carrey does. And some people were like, eh, that ain't my thing. What do y'all think? Jim Carrey is Joe Biden. Do we like it? Are we against it? I'm all for uh, finding a replacement if they do try to search for one. But uh, it's I, I don't know what it is. Um, I remember the fly skit, thinking, like, what's going on? And you know, <laughs> where Joe Biden became the creepy fly that landed on uh, my uh. head. And it became less funny and more of a, like, what? You know, what are we doing? Like, right. what are we doing? And I don't think I've ever, you know, a lot, some, most of the SNL political stuff has been, you know, pretty funny um, for years before, like all of the uh, Donald Trump bits have been like spot on, but for whatever reason this time around, and you know what, I don't know if it's more so 
since like the election is closer, that may have, you know, something to do with it. Like, I don't want to see Joe Biden look weird or creepy. And maybe that may be what I find off-putting about, about uh, Jim Carrey's, you know, kind of weird uh, performance of Joe. Uh, but, you know, hopefully they can do a little bit better than what they've done so far. Yeah, I think it's interesting having Jim Carrey be a part of it. it is, it's interesting. I get why they want to have him be a part of it. But it's... Bill Burr gave a great monologue. Not a lot of people liked it. <laughs> <What's that? laughs> Chris, Bill saying? Burr did give it. Bill Burr did give a great monologue. Look, ain't shit funny. That's what it is. And we're going to be just too blunt about it. Um, it is incredibly difficult. It is incredibly difficult to parody real life right now. Um, We had a presidential debate where the president of the United States uh, 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 vomited verbal nonsense onto the stage for an hour and a half and then asked people to vote for him. And the only sensical candidate on the stage the only candidate on the stage who actually wanted to talk about facts wasn't able to do that because there was a moderator who couldn't control a, a president who had no regard for the rules or decorum or respect for the office. So it's just really hard to parody that because how do you parody that nonsense in the United States? You just, it's just really hard to do. Because it's already um, so, so obscured. It's already so absurd. And so there were parts of of SNL the last couple of weeks that I thought were hilarious. I thought Issa Rae this weekend was hilarious. Um, I thought the Bill Burns monologue was hilarious. There were parts of Jim Carrey's monologue that I thought were hilarious, you know, in terms of don't you want to just turn this off? Um, But but look, this is where we are. It's not, (laughs) we're not in a funny time. We're not in a jokey, jokey mood. Um, And so I think people are responding to that and saying, yeah, I don't find that funny. Hmm. That's a that's a good analysis there. Ain't ain't shit funny is what he said. Put that as the headline. What's the name of the podcast? <laughs> episode whatever what number is this? I haven't been around for a while. Whatever the episode this is, the title is "Ain't Shit Funny." Go vote. Go yeah. vote. Yeah, I think that's a good that's a good way to close it. Uh, <laughs> ain't no jokes here. Right, keep Maya Rudolph, though. We should, we should keep Maya no, Rudolph. No, I was very clear. Ain't shit funny. Wait a second. Maya Rudolph is... I still think we should keep Maya. You know, I think this SNL is hilarious. I love Maya Rudolph. I think Jim Carrey's funny. I just don't think you can parody real life right now. Yeah. This is wild. There's a president right now who had COVID-19 who benefited from a medical treatment that, that comes from stem cell research, which he opposes in terms of how you, how you actually get that science, might have saved his life who's walking around telling people not to wear a mask, who's walking around making fun of somebody who's putting a mask in their face because they don't want to die from a deadly disease. Mm-hmm. It ain't shit funny about that. This <laughs> is loud. Okay, I agree. I'm just being honest about I it. think that's where about. we cut the podcast because that right. ain't that a ain't that a ain't you can see the vein popping from Chris yeah. Gay's you can neck. See the, look, that's how you know if you really know Chris Taylor, you know that when the vein gets going. Yeah, yeah. Take that part out. <laughs> the passion, the passion. It's passion for the vote. All, all right, y'all. Well, it's 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 uh we got quite a marathon coming up here. 
And I'm uh, glad we have all our listeners here for the ride. Uh, for Chris, for Steph, for Jordan, I'm Brandon Pope. Make sure to stay woke, stay black. We'll get out and vote. Did I say it wrong? Oh, you got it right this time. Good job. Good job. I was happy about it. I was waiting for you to... <laughs> is, it stay, is it stay blessed, stay woke, get out and vote? There you go. That works. I like there that. We go. Again make sure to, everybody, make sure to stay black, stay woke, get out and vote. <laughs>